This is the Ezra podcast. We're talking Canelo Alvarez versus Triple G number three. You know this this didn't get rave reviews. This was a movie and it, it premiered. So this this might have box office success, right? But it's not going to have great reviews. This is going to be low reviews. This is going to be low in the Rotten Tomato reviews. Let me get these bad boys plugged on. Uh, this is going to be low in the reviews. This is not a. This the critics weren't a fan of it. Was entertaining. Uh, picked up a little bit at the end. It picked up a little bit at the end, but I, I th- honestly, I think it's very interesting on both guys in the perspective of both guys coming out of this, uh, especially Canelo, who who comes away with the win. So let's get to that fight. It's 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 an easy win for Canelo, right? Honestly, it's a. Uh, there's no way to. I had it scored a one seventeen. I believe 111. Uh, I don't know how you could have it any closer than that. I feel like maybe a round you can go one more closer, right? Or like 116, 112. But I, I, I can't see it any closer than that, even though the judges had it about a round apart. Now, I heard theories on that as far as like they wanted Golovkin to win so they can get a fourth fight. They wanted to get the big win for Golovkin because he doesn't really have that necessary win to really put him into the Hall of Fame. The criticism I had going for Golovkin into this fight was just that it was almost like excuses being made or circumstances being made to prove his greatness and almost creating like a myth and a legend, almost like of Hercules, like where the, the, the stories told are greater than what they're definitely greater than what was seen. And they, they, they want you to just kind of go with that. Right. And that's the formula that they want to go with. And it just doesn't make sense because we have evidence on, we have film, we have evidence. We, we've seen it all play out. Now, in the first fight, you know, with Canelo and Triple G, a lot of people feel that Triple G was robbed in that fight. And that's honestly like a really popular narrative to have. That Triple G was robbed in the first fight, and he should have won that one. And that was his big win. And people even treated like, you know, we're going to just give that one to him. We're just going to act like he won that fight. Like, I think I've talked about this before. I did Broadway, uh, Broadway Joel's uh, podcast where he does the official scorecard. We get uh, like five people and they watch the fight over again. Everybody's watching the same thing. Round by round, we give a score and we give an argument on why we have that score. I, I scored eight for Canelo. That that I put that on Twitter that, that caused an uproar. People were pissed, honestly. They were pissed. Now, I don't have a problem at all if you have that fight for Golovkin. I don't. I think it's a close fight. I, I think you could. I say there's so many swing rounds in that fight that I could see it being 7 5 for Golovkin in that fight. So I don't have a problem. So I obviously don't have a problem with the scorecard being a draw, right? Because I think it was a close competitive fight. Me personally, I thought Canelo won. I thought he unboxed him. I thought he landed cleaner shots. But if you lose a close fight, I don't know how some guys get credit for losing a close fight and other guys get punished for it, for winning close fights. If you look at Canelo's career and the way people talk about him they almost punish him for winning close fights they punish him for beating lower close they punish him for beating even trout semi close they punish him for beating triple g close and they they almost count they account as all losses if he doesn't dominate it's almost a failure to him but with triple g who lost close fight he gets going to get credit for a win and actually he's going to be his main case to be in the hall of fame i thought that was very interesting it's very interesting perspectives it's very interesting to how the perspective you have of a certain fighter will sway and determine 
how you see their career and how you see them fight to fight and how you leave a fight, right? I think sometimes in this going back to the acting and uh, movies uh, comparison is that some actors, right, are fan favorites. So they could make a bad movie, but people will say, well, I like their charisma in that movie, though. I, I was, I, well, I, you know, the movie wasn't that great, but I thought his acting was really good. And they have some guys, right, who they, they don't have that acceptance. And they would they would be in the same movie, right, where it wasn't that great, and they had good acting, and they'd just be like, oh, that guy doesn't know how to make good movies. It's a trash movie. Nothing stood out. It's just perspective and what you want to see, almost as sometimes. It's just what you want to see. So going into this fight, you know, there was, uh, these were the discussions being had. And a lot of people were saying that, you know, this is going to be a competitive fight. And everybody's saying that, well, Golovkin's too old. And I think they were saying that Golovkin is going to have the style that just always matches well with Canelo. Canelo's going to have problems in this fight. And there's no way Canelo's going to win one side. There's no way he's going to get a stoppage. And this might be the best fight of all of them, right? These are just some of the things thrown out there. There was also a lot of, you know, Golovkin's going to stop him. If Golovkin, I mean, Canelo's going to stop him. If Canelo doesn't stop him, then that would be a massive failure. This competitive fight with an old Triple G, then that'd be a massive failure. So those are the storylines going in. Fight starts off. Golovkin, like I told you, and I've had this argument with people with older fighters, they need to warm up. They, they're they not going to start fast. A lot of people feel like, oh, his best chance is going to be early. No, it's not. He's got to warm up. His body's got to warm up. He's like an older car, right? You don't just turn on an older car and hit the gas. You got to let that bad boy sit for a little bit. Get that engine lubricated. That's why I'm on Golovkin. Now, he was able to do that against Murata, who Murata just sits there. As a one-dimensional fighter was just going to bring it to Golovkin. So he wasn't going to have to find him. There wasn't going to need to really be uh, that much to figure out. It was kind of the same thing over and over again. Around the fifth, fifth, sixth round, he warms up. He gets the game going. He gets his legs going. But you find Canelo's a different animal. It's an elite fighter. And in the first, first few rounds, he's elite in the fight. Now, I don't think he was the most effective with his offense. I didn't think that he was like punishing Triple G early, but he was definitely winning. It wasn't even close. His defense and off his defense to offense and you know that's a really hard thing that people don't I don't think really give a lot of credit for Canelo for is how he mixes his offense and defense together. A lot of guys have to go just straight defense and then they go offense, and he's constantly defense to offense like together. He's constantly transitioning to it. That's a very complicated hard thing that he does. I do think that he was missing wide a lot of shots. I do think he was being uh, aggressive. He was being careful, but he was being aggressive. He was looking to land some big shots to see if he could test Triple G's chin. Test him early. Test him to the body. Um, that happened more in the first round, the body shots. It kind of just goes more head hunting after that. But that's what I imagine he was going to do. I think he saw the Marauder fight. They saw the Triple G was takes a long time to get it going, and he might might be able to get him out early. And even Canelo Pulse fight said, what, they said, when did you know he wasn't going to go? He's the first round. And I, I really do believe that. I believe that he landed some of the shots that he wanted to land, and he saw that, okay, he still could take them. So it goes on for that to like maybe like the ninth round, where he it's just Canelo just putting it on him. Canelo has good energy. He's got good pace. Um, it's not like putting a massive amount of combos together, but he's just in control of the fight. He's landing, uh, of course, the majority of the shots. He's not really getting touched. And around the ninth round is when Golovkin finally... Feels comfortable in the ring. He kind of feels like he could get it going. And then you suddenly see Canelo just kind of gas tank, just hit, I mean, just go on empty. Just he just starts dragging in the ring. 
And I mean, it's visible. And I did point out going into this fight that Canelo had a very, very, very poor poker face for when he's tired. You can see in this this fight that he is just dead tired. From ninth round on, he is dead tired. And Glocus starts having a little bit of moments. Right? He starts having a little bit more moments. Um, Canelo is not, to me, faster than him at this point. I still think he's looser with upper body movement, maybe a, a little better with the timing, but Golovkin's fighting his timing. He's finding his shots. He's finding his jab a little bit. And I think the fight does get a little more competitive from that point. And this is where you could probably give Golovkin maybe three three rounds, four rounds, maybe if you really want to, you know, you're really liking what he's doing, four rounds. But it, there, there's no way you could have a win in this fight. It's just not. There's just no way. Right? You can't. There's no way it's that it's close to a draw to you. It's just not that. It's just wasn't it wasn't that fight. Now I think it's very concerning. And I we know that Canelo has cardio issues and stamina issues, but usually it's in spurts, and he still usually could finish strong in a fight. You'll have or take have to take a round or two off, three, maybe three rounds in a fight, but still be able to, you know, but in between that, he'll put, give you three rounds of good work. This one, he just, when it hit, it hit, and he was struggling the rest of the fight. I I, I always call and text my brothers and my dad between rounds when fights were all big boxing fans. That's why, that's obviously why I'm such a huge fan of boxing. And he, he said a very good point, I thought. He said that Golovkin showed his age early in this fight. But he said Canelo showed his age late. I agree with that. I agree with that. There was something I saw that were really warning signs for Canelo. When it all fell apart like that, the only thing I could think of was Sergio Martinez versus Chavez Jr. In that fight, Sergio Martinez dominates that fight. It's probably one of his best performances. He looks like he's putting on a master class. He looks like he's at his peak of performance. He looks like he's at his best he's ever looked. It's everything he said it was going to be. And in the 12th round, Chavez lands a big left hook. And you, from that point on, Martinez was washed as a fighter. He was no longer Sergio Martinez. It took one round. It happened during a fight. It happened in the 12th round. In a fight that he was dominating. In the fight that it was not even close. Scorecards were not close. It wasn't close. It was a, a, a perfect performance. It took one round, and Sergio Martinez was washed from that point on. I thought we saw something similar to that in this fight. I just didn't think Triple G had enough to really make Canelo pay for what what had happened. I think the wheels fell off a little bit for Canelo in this fight. I think he got older in the ring. And I did hear um, some people say, like, you know, well, look at all the rounds that Canelo has. He has a lot of rounds. Even for 32, he's an older 32. Now, I had never saw any really proof of that in the ring, so I, ca I can't go with anything unless I have proof of it, right? Unless I see it myself. But I thought that was a good point. That was an interesting point. Now, as the fight went on, I was like, okay, no, nah, this is this dude still got it. He's still an elite fighter. I think in the 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th round, you saw that. You saw those rounds add up. And I think that every matchup that we talked about at 168, as far as Charlo, Benavides, got a lot more interesting in my mind. Because if those are competitive fights, and they're coming down to the last four rounds, right? And you, you know that, like, it's, it's whoever takes the wins, the majority is going to win the fight. I think Canelo could be really in trouble in that situation. 
from this performance, I don't really think we'll see Canelo a lot next year. I think we might see him once, and I think it might be Ryder. I think it might be a tune-up fight. Because if Canelo's already talking about his, uh, a wrist injury, right, and having surgery, and maybe fighting the middle of the year, I, I, I think he's going to push it all the way to the end of the year. I think he's going to come back September and fight Ryder. I really do, and I think that the zone's going to pay for it. I think Master will pay for it. They see the value in Canelo. They they see that he brings subs. He keeps people. Um, he keeps interest. You know, he's obviously the the biggest star in boxing right now. So I think that they'll. I think they will. I think they will be able to bring Canelo back. I I can't see him fighting Bavol. Honestly, I know that's the talks or anything like that. I can't see it. And it's just if if it happens, all respect to him. But I just think it's a horrible idea. He has no chance of winning that fight. I think it could get worse for him. I think it could honestly he could get stopped in that fight. But I just can't see him getting all this the the wrist surgery, needing the rest, talking about how tired he is, and going straight to Bavol. No, I, it's gonna be Ryder. And then I if what I hope plays out is he goes to PBC and fights Charlo and or Benavides first, and then if he wins that fight, Charlo. I think that those are the fights that to me where they're gonna generate a lot of money. It's gonna generate a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement. And those fights are Competitive. I don't think Bavol's competitive. I don't see an opening for him to win those fights. I don't see. I don't see the blueprint for him to win those fights. Now with Triple G, who, like I said, looked old from the first round, he finally warmed up, got going a little bit, but wasn't enough to be to make a case that he won the fight or be, make a case that it was like a super competitive fight. It wasn't that. Now is that just because? We see his age, right, obviously. But would it still look better with a guy like... Because you see him with Murata, but I wouldn't say Murata is like the highest of highest levels. So you know he can't go with an elite guy. So maybe a guy that isn't proven 100% elite yet, right? Maybe that would be interesting. I mean, Mangia comes to mind. I still think, and I've said this on Twitter, Charlo and, and Triple G to me is still very interesting because Charlo... Really has him had been able to get that name right, and you see Triple G, and you you thinking, oh, he's aging out, and you would assume that Charlo is kind of just needs to prove that he's an elite fighter, and he still has a possibility of being an elite fighter, but has never really been able to prove it, especially at middleweight. I still think him and Triple G would do very good numbers. I think it would bring a lot of attention to the middleweight division again. I think it'd be a lot of attention to the winner and. The winner could fight Canelo. Uh, I mean, well, if Charlo wins, he could fight Canelo. If Triple G wins, he would still have a a, a few options, really, honestly. He, you could have Charlo uh, Jamal move up to fight uh, Triple G. You could have Earl Spence move up to fight Triple G in middleweight. I, I'm I'm not 100% so, uh, selling everything that I don't want to see Triple G in the ring again. No, no, no. I think that he can't get, compete with the league guy, but some guys were not 100% sure they are elite, and Triple G might look good in those fights. He's always going to be a second half. of. Uh, he's going to need to make the adjustment and get started. He's always going to lose the first few rounds. It's kind of been like that first quarter, but now it's definitely because of age. You see why. But if it's not the guy the level of Canelo, right? And and the thing is, Charlo might be, right? Charlo might be the level of Canelo. He might be able to beat Canelo right now. But we haven't seen it yet. So that's why it's still interesting with Triple G. That's why I still want to see it. There's talks of Chris Eubanks. If Chris Eubanks beats, beats Connor Ben, then yeah, I'd definitely, I'd definitely be up for that fight. 
that he'd be coming off a big win in a big event and then fighting Triple G. When the, you know, people don't think, assume that Chris Eubanks is an elite fighter at all. No one assumes that. They have questions whether he's like even a high level fighter. I think that'd be very interesting. I think people wouldn't know really which direction to go in that fight. I think the warning signs, like I said, there for Canelo. Yeah, you. I want to see how it, it looks going forward. But I don't want to use that as an excuse if he loses his next fight, right? Because my theory is, is if a fighter ages out, but he's still undefeated, he's still beating guys. I don't count him as like wash until after he gets his first loss. I'm just not. I just, I just can't do it. Right, I just don't like taking away from fighters. Like even this Triple G fight, I was gonna say it wasn't a notable win for Canelo. You know what is a notable win for Canelo? It's just the way it is. Now it's not a high one of his high rank. You know, it's not one like and it's gonna be his top five wins or anything. No, no, no. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that Triple G just beat. He's probably gonna have the best middleweight win of this year. Maybe that says more about the middleweight division than it does Triple G, but that that's the truth of it. And it's not like Triple G has been looking washed. And getting and, and getting uh, smoked by up and coming guys or even contenders, he hasn't been. Canelo did this to him, so I'm going to give Canelo full credit for it. Now, not the same credit that when he beat Triple G in the second fight, no, right? I'm not giving him the same credit as that, but I'm giving him some credit for it. I'm making a notable win for him. Now, Canelo, I think, like I said, is showing signs of slowing down. So the next guy beats him, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, he's old and watch. That's why it happened. No, 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 no. Yeah, no one done it to him before. So whoever does it to him is going to get full credit for it. And then after that, we can start saying, well, he's, you know, he was slowed down after that point. You can't take away. You can't, we always looking for a reason why something happened. This is the reason why he lost. Some guys just lost because the guy's better than him. Give the guy the damn credit. But one thing I hate is like, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, this guy can take training camp serious. Well, being committed is a, that's a skill. That's, that's a part of the job. The best guys can do it. So if, if Canelo is aging out, he's slowing down, don't matter what, the next guy that beats him is going to get full credit for being Canelo Alvarez. That's just the truth of it. That's the way I'm considering it. I don't like these all these excuses on why something happened. I got an argument with um, Vince Cummings on uh, on Twitter, um, and he was saying, oh, well, you know, if Canelo looked old yesterday, he's 32 years old, imagine how um, past his prime Golovkin was when he fought Canelo. It's a it's a simple man it's a simple man's logic. It really is. Um, I posted a a clip of Triple G fighting Kasimuma. He was about, I'm assuming, thirty one to thirty two in that that fight. That's the point that everyone's talking about that he was in his best. You watch that fight. Watch the fight before. Watch the fight after it. That's not Triple G at his best. The Triple G that fought Canelo in the first and second fight. That's Triple G at his best. Don't tell me that the one that fought Kasimo at 31 years old is better than the one that fought Canelo. Your physical prime, when you're at your best, it isn't just when you're at your physical prime. That's not true, okay? Guys are 24 years old. Like, look at, we're going to get to the Bam fight. But look at Bam right now. He's not at his absolute best right now. This is, I, I promise you he isn't. He's 22 years old. How could he be at his absolute best? He's a very skilled fighter. He's still figuring things out on the ring. He's going to get sharper as it goes on. Your physical prime doesn't always mean the best that you are at in your career. See, there's a physical prime, and there's the knowledge to know how to use it. And there's a point where they meet. That's when you're at your absolute best. You might be declining in the physical prime and coming up like this. It might be coming in like this. That's when you're at your best. 
It's not when your physical prime is like this, and then your your knowledge is all the way down here. And then you come down here, your physical prime is all the way down here, and your knowledge is all the way up here. It's got to be a point where they meet. That's when you're at your best. Everybody's talking about physical prime. It's when you're when those points meet, that's when you're at your best. And you're not going to tell me that Triple G, well, go watch him in the Casino Mo fight. Tell me that that's a better version of Triple G than fought Canelo. It's not true. It's not right. Okay, It's not accurate. We're not going to do that. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of so many excuses on why I got to... Listen, the guy had his career. He had the fights. His best win is Daniel Jacobs. That's it. Okay? I understand all these defenses. I understand. It doesn't matter. And I know sometimes it's unfortunate. That there wasn't a winner fight. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. It's who you beat. Okay? We put, we've been punished. We punished uh, Larry Holmes forever for that. Oh, I never beat anyone. Okay, you, you, you punish them forever. You beat old Ali. You punish them forever. Then be fair to everyone. He doesn't have the wins to be a Hall of Famer. And whatever. I don't even care about the Hall of Fame because they, they judge in a certain way. I'd be way more stricter on it. But he doesn't have it. Okay, He doesn't have it. Okay, You're not going to give him because of a close fight with Canelo. Oh, you know, and we're going to count that as a win. Why? Why would you do that? We're going to count all Canelo's wins as losses? All the close ones? Stop with the excuses. It's just... Just watch the fights and judge what they're giving us, the product they're giving us. Quit making excuses for the guys. They don't need excuses. Triple G went oh, this whole point fighting tune-ups. He could have fought Demetrius Andrade. He could have won and got Charlo. It's the truth of it. These guys would have fought him. He was finally at the point. Everything he had worked for after he fought to fight Canelo, someone to give him a chance. Now he was at the point where he could have got anyone he wanted. And he didn't. He started taking two notes and chased uh, Canelo again. He became everything that he was against. He became. And you want to give him credit for all these things that what could have been. Some myth you made up. Not going to do that. Not going to do that. On the co-main event. Wrong one. Wait one second. We had... Bam Rodriguez versus Israel Gonzalez. Uh, in a fight that I told you that Bam was going to have to go some rounds in. I thought it was going to be a, a, t- a tougher fight. I think that a lot of people would probably assume that this was going to be maybe, um, you know, if you weren't familiar with Gonzalez, you probably thought, okay, they're not, they're going to put Bam in here in a showcase fight. So we're just make him look good. He's probably going to get this guy out early. And no, Bam was in, in very, very tough, in very, very competitive, very competitive rounds, especially early, I thought. Early on, these were very competitive, uh, close rounds. I thought Bam pulled away late. I thought he was definitely landing the cleaner work. Um, he definitely found his uh, rhythm with his movement and found you know, the defensive places he could be. And his defensive uh, placement of his guard, was it was just a little sharper. And you could see Israel Gonzalez just kind of not being able to keep the pace as the fight went on. Now, Israel Gonzalez is, is a good fighter. He's a very talented fighter. And it's just kind of only, uh, once again, showed the, the depth and talent of 115 pounds. And to me, it's the best division in boxing. Go look at their top 10 compared to any top 10 in any other weight. It's the best one. And you got um, guys like Israel Gonzalez, right, who are outside the top 10, who can compete with these guys in the top 10. And it's like, there's honestly no like free nights. There isn't. There isn't any free nights. Bam had an easier time with Sol Rumbaside than he did with Israel Gonzalez. And I think that people want to be critical or maybe sell a little bit of stock of Bam Rodriguez after this performance. And you have to remember, 
when you're fighting the best guys all the time, that's why I said about like Anthony Joshua, right? Because Anthony Joshua to me fights uh, more top guys than anyone in the heavyweight division for a long time. You're going to have shaky performances because you're fighting high level guys all the time. You're going to have a performance where it's not your best. And remember, styles make fights, and certain matchups are going to be more problems than others and more tricky. And also, you're just not going to show up 100%, or you're not going to show up completely uh, on your game. You might just be a little bit off, and that might lead to a very tough fight. I thought Bam looked good in this fight. I thought, like I said, he was in tough. That, that's just what happens when you're in tough and you're in competitive. Now, I see people really pissed about the scorecards. I think they wanted a, a much closer scorecard, especially just because the fight they saw felt closer. But you got to remember one thing. This is one thing I, I want you to remember when you watch these fights is in competitive rounds, right? Say if there's eight competitive rounds. Say there's 12 competitive rounds. You watch 12 competitive rounds, and you say, that round could have won. Either way, I could have made a case for both guys in that round. Well, what that means then is that every round's a toss-up. So there is a chance that a judge scored every round for one fighter, and it would make sense because every round is competitive. Every round would have you can have a debate that this guy wanted or this guy wanted. So just because you see a competitive fight, you see a close, All right, sorry, I'll plug my mic. Um, just because you see a close competitive fight, it doesn't mean that the scorecards are going to be a round or two off, uh, away from each other. It's not going to happen like that. That's not the way it plays out. It, that means that when you see a close competitive fight with a multiple level of uh, swing rounds, that means the scores could be very wide or they could be very close. And that's why it's very important when these fighters are in this fight that they have to make sure they're winning these rounds clearly. That's why the guy that could take it to the next level, like Bam did later in the fight, where he took, I felt like he took the rounds late, clearly, to secure the victory. Because these rounds could have been going either way. He could have been down on the scorecards. One score was 118-109, and 114-113. That just tells me that was a very competitive fight with very competitive rounds. I don't think those are wrong scorecards. I, I really don't. And I think that you have to really make sure your logic's, logic is correct when you're scoring these fights and looking at them. When I score a fight, I like to give a range, acceptable range of scores. So I think this happened. This is how I scored it. But I have this many swing rounds. So if all these swing rounds went this way, this is another possible score. So I have what's the possible score on the other end? What's the possible score on this end? So that means everything in between would be acceptable. You have to judge it like that. And the fact that these broadcasts have not caught up to that and not given that thing. And I've seen a few that have done it, but very shortly. I don't understand. And it leads to confusion. And you get these fights and people say, well, that was a, that's a ripoff, right? That that guy got robbed. We take it robbed. I mean, everyone would, you should feel comfortable saying that Bam could win that fight. If Bam got announced the winner, that that would be okay. But we did leave that. We left with, oh, that's a bad scorecard. This guy got robbed. The Canelo one, that was a bad scorecard. This one wasn't. Canelo, bad scorecard. This one, no. It was all over the place because the fight was close, competitive. Every round was like that, especially early. On the opening bout, oh, as far as Bam, I, I, I know a lot of people like activity. I think that we're starting to see, especially with Canelo, with Bam, too much activity is, is, is very troublesome. Uh, to stay in shape for long periods of time like that, what it takes to fight, what it takes a red line. So when you get to fight, you're on a red line at a certain point. That means when you're at your peak performance. 
when you miss that red line, and this is what's very curious about the Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall fight, um, and Mayer and Bumgarner is they were redlining. They were training for one weekend, right, where they were redlining. This was going to be their peak performance. After that, they were going to decline. You have to rest. That's why you decline. They missed the red line. Now they're going to come back in a few weeks, maybe in a month, and they have to hit the red line again right away. That is going to change some of these fights. It's going to um, really mess up the people. They had to cut a lot of weight to get to their position because they're going to gain all back and have to cut it again in a short time. You could really have some really lackluster performances in the, with those girls because of, the, because of that delay. But having a guy go four times a year is, is very tough, especially when the competition is high. It is for Bam Rodriguez. Now you go four times a year and you're going to get scrubs or taxi cab drivers or guys that are you're 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 meant to look good against. That that's saying that's that's easier, right? That's that's less risk. But when you're going against top guys and names that you're not going to get a lot of credit for, like Israel Gonzalez, you probably they're probably not going to mention that when they, at the end of Bam's career and be like, oh, you know, he beat Israel Gonzalez. It's not going to happen. But if you're fighting four Israel Gonzalez a year, and he's fighting better than Israel Gonzalez, fighting Quadros, he's fighting um, Sorumbasai and Israel Gonzalez, it's a lot. And to say, oh, you're going to go in December again, I, I, I would say you got to call it. You got to, you got to put the brakes on this. He's staying in shape year round. He's sparring year round, and he's in tough fights year round. I, I don't think at a certain point when you get to a certain level, you can stay consistent like that, fighting like that. And I think that's what Canelo did, and I think that did a lot of wear and tear on him as well. That's why I say I think Canelo probably going to rest a lot next year, and I think Bam should rest out the rest of this year. I understand what they're trying to do with them, and they got, um, you know, they, I feel they feel like they have something great here, but and they, they probably do, but if you keep going in with top dogs like that right away, someone's going to catch you. It's just it. That's just the case. You fight competitive fights, you're gonna lose. That's what that's what happens in MMA all the time. You fight a competitive fight after competitive fight after competitive fight on a busy schedule. You're gonna get caught. You got to make sure you get, let your guy regroup, rest, and make sure he's giving you the uh, the two best performances of the year. Fight two times a year and give you two best performances of the year. That's what you want. You don't want four times and then it starts getting shaky. On which you know this is gonna be a shaky performance. Right, the third one's gonna be shaky. It takes one shaky performance to get knocked out. That's all it takes. On the opening belt, you had Emma Williams versus Kirion Conway. And a fight that I told you was going to be a, an interesting test for Emma. And I think that I knew Conway was going to bring some challenges to him. And, you know, going into the way in, I think people were concerned with how Emma was looking. Uh, he has a history of, you know, mental health um, issues. And there was, you know, there was a point where he had to take a break in his career due to it. So I think people were a little worried about that. I, I think that everything we were worried about, he, he, uh, as far as like being uh, emotionally right for this fight, uh, as far as being in shape for this fight, about as far as uh, maybe cutting too much weight for this fight, he, he proved all that against all that. He was a fresher guy. He his his energy never really dipped in my opinion his power never went away his speed never went away i thought that all that stood pretty consistent throughout the fight i think the interesting thing was the lack of dimensions he had he didn't have a lot of dimensions to his game and that's always been kirion conway's problem really he's just a one-dimensional fighter kirion conway does not have dimensions he's not uh able to fight in any other way than the way he fights any other level in the way he fights and I think Amos showed that he has similar issues. And really, the only thing that separated the difference in this fight, because you could make a case that Conway was winning 
um, the first half of it, right? But it's a super competitive fight. Was the animal never took a dip in energy or speed or power, and Conway did. So they were fight to me fighting even the whole time. They were just fighting even. It was a uh, the guy with the, two guys of the same problem. And it was almost just like just not going anywhere. It was just two guys just meeting at the middle and just bouncing off each other, basically. But Conway in the second half and late in the fight, it just finally dipped. His energy just dipped enough to where Ammo had the openings. He could take advantage of them. He could place his shots. He could find the shots he wanted. And he hurts them. And he rocks them. And you could just see that Conway was in the last two or three rounds. He just wasn't able to keep up with Ammo. I think Ammo has problems, right, as far as is he going to be able to add enough to his game? Is he going to be able to add enough craft to his game to beat the next level guys? That's going to be the ultimate That's the ultimate challenge, right? He he's definitely proves that he's a contender now. He could fight. Go and challenge world champions, challenge uh, the top guys in his weight division. But he needs to develop, so he's in an interesting spot because he, he he shows that he's at that point, right, to you know become a champion. But I still think he needs a lot of developing to do, especially because he got to boxing late. So what do you do with him? How do you match him going forward? Physically, he's gifted, and he's a natural to fighting. But how long is it going to take for him to add those things, and can he add those things? Because I don't see him being the 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 top guys in his weight division with the way he he looked in that fight. There needs to be more to it. He needs to be able to throw some off-speed stuff. Even a guy that's super fast, right? Even you go in the ring with a guy and he's super fast. If you're seeing the same speed over and over again, you will adjust to it. You will get used to it. Even if he's really, really fast. If he doesn't change his speeds up, even the fastest hands, you'll start reading them and seeing them. It sounds strange, right? You sound strange. You say, I don't know, guys, fast. How can I catch up to him? You will. Guy, uh, that's why, like a uh, a baseball pitcher, right? That's why he throws a curve. That's why he throws a split. That's why he throws a, a changeup. Because you start seeing the fastball over and over and over again, you're going to start timing it. Right now, Ammo's only throwing fastballs. And they're fast and they're powerful. But at some point, right, with the top guys, they're just going to start seeing it. It's not going to be something that they're not going to be able to catch up to. He needs to adjust his game and the the whole uh, shift of trainers is like that. He needs to find this team that he he believes in and trusts in, stick with them, and they need to. There's so much potential here, but they need to figure out if he's going to be able to add that craft, add those uh, change ups, changing of levels, um, setting up his shots, and fighting with a strategy. That builds towards, you know, strategy is building towards something other than I'm just going to apply my na- natural gifts on you and eventually I'll catch you and break you. At this, at the level above this, that's, that's not going to work. Guys, I appreciate you listening. Uh, this is right here. If you're watching the video, this is where you can find me. I'm Ezra Podcast on YouTube, Ezra Boxing on Twitter, Ezra Podcast on Apple, and Ezra Podcast on Spotify. Please like and uh, review. Five star, of course. And uh, post questions you have on the comments. I'll respond. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll be back later this week. Peace.